Viewing life as a game is the most useful mental map I've found for being able to live your best life. Viewing life as a game not only makes life a lot more fun, but it gives you tremendous insight into the human condition. And within the metagame of life, we all play these mini-games, each with their own rules, levels, rewards, and punishments. The money game, the fame game, the women game, the power game, the status game, the recognition game, the love game, and on and on. And within all those games are even smaller games we play with each other to get those results. Every person on the planet is gaming each other all the way down to little children crying and throwing a tantrum when they aren't allowed to have ice cream for dinner. With the desired end result for all our games being to maximize pleasure and minimize pain. Unfortunately, many of our games end badly, oftentimes with the opposite result of maximizing pain. Because some people still play child's games as adults crying, screaming, or threatening when they don't get their way. People play bad games not because they want to be miserable. Being miserable is just the end result. They play bad games because of lack of self-awareness, lack of understanding of what motivates other people, being blind to the negative patterns and games you're running, not knowing how to get what you want in a positive, constructive way, not being able to create win-win scenarios for other people, or a combination of all the above. People who consistently play bad games are toxic people hurting themselves and hurting others in a misguided attempt at happiness. People who play good games are happy, positive people who live fulfilling lives and uplift other people around them. So here's how to play good games. Good games in a sentence are games you play with your friends, family, clients, and girlfriend or girlfriends where the game, the end game is maximum happiness and win-win scenarios for you and your people. In life, he who has the most joy wins, so it only makes sense to play for maximum joy. Here are some great games to play with other people. Number one is mutual value escalation. The goal of mutual value escalation is to move through life with your people, helping each other to do better, be better, and lifting each other up when you fall. Helping yourself and your people maximize their health, wealth, relationships, and lifestyle. Another name for the game could be, I'm great, you're great, so let's help each other be our best selves. Mutual value escalation comes from a place of seeing yourself as your best self, seeing other people as their best selves, and encouraging them to fulfill their potential. And I'll tell you, seeing someone as their best self is incredibly powerful in regards to relating to people, especially if you're the first person in their lives to recognize their potential, see them as their best selves, and support their goals to be able to achieve those outcomes. The rules to the game are stay positive, supportive, give good advice when asked, and occasionally give unsolicited advice when you think that your friend or your girlfriend is making a major mistake. Ultimately, it's about seeing your people as the best versions of themselves and supporting and encouraging them to be that person. When not played properly, it turns into a game of value de-escalation where you're telling that person they're no good, they're telling you the same, you're moving downwards, they're moving downwards, which is not where you want to be. Good game number two, us versus them. Us versus them might sound like a bad game at first. It definitely can be depending on who's playing and what the goals are, but it can also be a great game when you play it ethically because the reality is... At least half of life is competition. Competition for money, resources, women, 
clients, customers, housing status, and all the thousands of other things that people are playing for and competing for. But life becomes a lot more fun when you have people to help you compete. For me, having a group of guys who can not only support me in my life goals, but offer valuable business advice, introduce me to women, makes me more competitive in terms of getting what I want in this world. The same logic applies to building your company. You want people on your team who are committed to helping you make money, get more clients, more revenue, more traffic, or whatever else you need to compete, and vice versa. You are helping them compete in the game of life by giving them revenue and income. Us versus them also applies to romantic relationships because at the end of the day, there are very few people who will be, who will be loyal to you when you're down. And a large part of being in a relationship is to have someone in your corner where you're not just taking on the world by yourself, but you've got a partner in crime to help you achieve your goals and to support you when you're feeling down. Us versus them is like mutual value escalation, but projected outward into the competition of life. When you work as a team to help each other win and help each other compete ethically. And if someone is being unethical to your people, you help your people throw stones at their enemies, not necessarily in the literal sense, but at the end of the day, you have each other's backs. Every successful organization, government, nation, or enterprise plays us versus them. Because as humans, we are tribal creatures, and it is a necessity for you to succeed at any type of level to have people on your team to help you compete. And as long as it's ethical and you're competing ethically and respectfully, then you are playing a good game. However, us versus them can also go badly, and it goes badly in two ways. Number one is ethical failure. You can see this in nations when they attack a neighbor in a war of aggression for resources and territory. Uh, you can see it in, in, in companies um, acting unethically in their business practices. You can see it in gangs who, whose entire modus operandi is, is unethical. And number two is infighting, where instead of cooperating with your team, you start to compete within your team. And us versus them becomes us versus us. This is how companies implode. This is how friendships end. And this is how divorce starts. Game number three, recognition and appreciation. The recognition and appreciation game is a great game to play because it's so easy to play. It costs you nothing to do. It makes other people happy. And almost no one else does it. The rules are simple. Recognize people for doing things for you and show them your appreciation. Most people, though, are too hungry for their own recognition to give it to others, or they don't really listen to other people, and it doesn't occur to them to appreciate the other person or the people around them in their lives. Ironically, though, the more you appreciate other people, the more they tend to appreciate you. In fact, you could say that the recognition and appreciation game is the entire basis behind Dale Carnegie's classic How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is hands down the best book on navigating interpersonal relationships. Most people, though, can only think of getting recognized for their own ideas instead of recognizing others, which is why that book is so powerful. The recognition and appreciation game is also incredibly important in business. Recognizing and appreciating your clients, customers, and supporters 
is extremely important in terms of being able to make more money, in terms of being able to keep the clients, customers that you already have, and in terms of being able to expand your brand through word of mouth and referrals. Recognition and appreciation is a game I play every single day in the comments section of my videos and articles to show that I appreciate whatever support that my readers and viewers give me. Failure to play the recognition and appreciation game often leads to resentment, especially in romantic relationships. In fact, not being appreciated is probably the number one complaint from women about men, which can lead to women playing the I do so much for you game and you don't appreciate it, which leads to you getting your back up and playing the game. I'm not a mind reader. How am I supposed to know that you are upset or that you expected that from me or does everything you give me come with strings attached? And I guarantee you've been in that argument at least once with your mom growing up, with, with girlfriends. And the recognition and appreciation game is one way to proactively avoid those types of bad games. Game number four. Let's have fun. Let's have fun is probably my favorite game. Um, Underneath my dedication to my mission and my go-getter attitude, I'm basically a 12-year-old who only wants to do things that are fun. I hate going to the dentist. I hate doing chores. I hate seeing distant relatives or any of the other adult things that most people my age spend their life doing. It's part of why I took such a radical turn in my life so I could set up my life to where I do the minimum amount of things that I don't want to, as opposed to the guys that I used to work with in corporate Canada who had to do something they didn't want to do every day of the week on top of a job they already hated. Ultimately, adult life doesn't have to be boring, and you don't have to do chores when you make enough money to pay other people to do them for you. So whenever I sit down with my friends, family, or girlfriend, girl or girlfriends, I want to have fun. And that means jokes, impressions, funny movies, family guys, stand-up comedy, dancing, drinking, sex, whatever it is. Free time for me is either fun time or If it's not going to be fun, then I'd rather be reading and learning and improving myself and gathering ideas for my next article, video, or course. And outside of time, that's free time. I'm working on my business or going to the gym or eating. So within my free time, I'm always thinking about what's fun, how do we have fun, and trying to bring a playful attitude to the people around me. If it's a girl I'm dating and we're chilling at my place, I'm not above tickling, play fighting, teasing, doing a a silly dance, or just giving her something, putting it in her hand, only to snatch it back at the last minute, basically being eight years old. When you keep it playful, you make other people feel the same way, you have a sort of a lightness of step, and you know the world becomes more fun for you and for the people around you. In short... Healthy relationships and healthy games are based on feed, not need, and especially not blame, shame, guilt, or fear. Sure, if someone's violating your boundaries or disrespecting you, there's a place for guilt and shame and moderation, but not much. When you have the right people in your life, most problems can be solved without resorting to negative emotions. The whole idea of good games is win-win scenarios, with a win being more happiness for everyone involved, but... Just as important as playing good games, if not more important, is avoiding playing bad games. So here's how you avoid playing bad games. First, understand that bad games 
in a sentence are games that you play with friends, lovers, family, and clients that end in win-lose or even lose-lose scenarios. Win-lose is where you're trying to get over on someone and make them take a loss for your win. And lose-lose is even worse where you're willing to take a loss only so you can drag someone down with you. With that said, the logic of bad games does not apply to competition outside of your inner circle as covered in us versus them. In life, you need to compete for jobs, clients, customers, women, investment, and that often means someone else is taking a loss while you're taking a win. Someone else is losing a client. Someone else is losing a promotion. You are getting a girlfriend that someone else would have wanted to have. That's part of the natural order of life. As long as you're ethical and respectful in your competition, it's your duty to compete outside of your inner circle. So you're better able to help yourself and help the people around you. But competing within your circle is the kind of win-lose behavior you want to avoid because ultimately you make other people less happy. And even though you might get a temporary win when you create a win-lose scenario, the resentment you cause in other people eventually kills those relationships leading to a long-term loss. Ultimately, win-lose and lose-lose games within your circle ends in a loss for you. When you look around, you'll see how much time people spend setting up games, losing them, than being upset about the loss. Oftentimes, those games are about controlling others, failing at getting control, being angry about your lack of control, yet refusing to recognize that you're playing the wrong game and refusing to take action to change your games. And when I say you, I mean you, because you have total control over all the games you play. Even the game of employee in a job you hate because you chose to take that job instead of start your own business. I played the corporate salesman game for a while with the end game result being money, status, suits. I had the act down, the suit, the phone, the studied mannerisms, the corporate buzzwords, the appropriate objections, the right venues to take clients, but I hated every minute of it. I recognized that no matter how much money I made at the game, it wasn't even close to worth it to have to wake up every day and do what I hate. So I decided to play the personal development guru game and it's been a hundred times more fun and more rewarding. Building this business was the best decision I've made in the last decade and I'm on pace to smash my sales income, not to mention that my income is now geo-arbitraged in a country that's a third of the price of my home country of Canada. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm only getting started and God willing, I have the rest of my life to play this game, build my brand and help as many guys as I can. Changing your games from bad to good is one of the best things you can do for yourself, especially the interpersonal games you play. In fact, there's an entire school of thought called transactional analysis based around becoming aware of the games you and the people around you play. This is incredibly important because once you recognize a bad game, you can, number one, stop creating bad games for yourself and for others. Number two, refuse to play bad games that are offered to you. Number three, get rid of toxic people in your life who only want to play bad games. The manual for transactional analysis is Eric Burns' seminal book, Games People Play, which covers the basic of TA as well as a list of 100 games, which I highly recommend you checking out on Amazon. But I put together a small list for you of a few common negative games, and it's important for you to be able to 
look at these games, see how many you play, or see how many other people are trying to play with you. Game number one, stop me if you can. Description of that game is basically doing a damaging activity, for example, being a drug addict, being an alcoholic, and daring someone to stop you. And the real benefit is you get attention and you avoid responsibility. Bad game number two, blemish, which is finding fault with other people, being as picky as necessary. And the end, the real benefit you're trying to get from that is distracting attention from yourself. Game number three, clever me, boasting about what you've done, how smart you are. Real benefit of that is getting attention, sympathy, and admiration. Game number four is courtroom, which is where you describe quote-unquote logically how you are right and how other people are wrong. And in the argument, you put blame on someone else for being emotional where you're quote-unquote being logical. In effect, you're being emotional and the end result is to impose your will on someone else or get support, sympathy, and absolution. If it weren't for you, that's the game of blaming others for your non-achievements And the end result that you want is absolution of guilt. Some people play this game with their children. If it weren't for you, I would have been so much more successful, but I sacrificed my life for you. Next negative game, let's you and him fight. This is getting other people to fight for you. This is a game, you know, some women will play where they bring their boyfriend together with some guy that likes him and knowing subconsciously that's gonna there's gonna be a fight. And then pretend not to like that they're fighting. And the end result is control of others, um, ability to place blame on someone, and feeling valued that, that people are fighting over you. It doesn't just apply to women, but that's a common example. Another bad game, look how hard I've tried. It's where you put in, intentionally put in lots of effort on something that doesn't succeed so that you can absolve yourself of responsibility or perhaps put the blame on someone else instead of on yourself. Next game, now I've got you, you son of a bitch. That's venting rage on someone and blaming them for it. Uh, This displaces anger and absolves you of responsibility. Next negative game is poor me. This is where you're displaying yourself as unlucky and helpless. You can recognize this game in the Types of people who say, the only kind of luck I have is bad luck. They always have a sympathy story. And their end result is is to be seen as a victim and to get sympathy and support. The next negative game is see what you made me do. That's, That's taking an action that's your choice and then blaming someone else for making you choose that action. When in reality, you chose that action because you wanted to do it. You blamed other people for your action and your problems and the end result is to absolve yourself of responsibility and put guilt and blame onto someone else. Next negative game is honestly, which is where you make empty promises and the end result is, is you are trying to create a different reality for someone than, than what actually happened. It's like where someone's saying Starts a sentence with honestly, and the rest of the sentence that follows is dishonest. And it's the same reason that everyone lies, because life is hard, and they want to create a different image of what actually happened in a particular scenario. Next game is uproar, which is a violent argument with deliberate pressing of hot buttons, 
where you are angry and you're deliberately digging into that person and deliberately pushing all the buttons that you know that are going to trigger them. And the end result of that is to sustain attention, to vent, and to put your anger on them and to put hurt on them. Yes, but is providing uh, is the game of providing objections to refuse help um, and the end the end result of that game is maintaining attention and control it's basically where someone asks for your help and then when you give them answers they have an objection for everything else it's very similar to the game of let me play devil's advocate which is really where people want to break rapport want to be able to maintain control over the situation or they want to be able to get sympathy from you um, for their situation by showing you that there is no solution to the problem, exhaust you in your solutions, and to eventually where you give them sympathy and tell them it's okay not to solve the problem. Last game is Wooden Leg, which is acquire a handicap, real or imagined, and ham it up. Sympathy, avoidance of responsibility is the end result. The extreme version of this is Munchausen syndrome, where somebody fakes an illness to get sympathy even all the way to the hospital. So Tolstoy in Anna Karenina said, and rightfully so, that happy families are all alike, but every unhappily f- unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. And that quote also known as the Anna Karenina principle, applies to all people in all walks of life in all games. There are maybe a handful of good games that actually make you happier, and most of them I've already listed, but there are thousands of games that make you and the people around you less happy. The negative or bad games that I've listed are just a small fraction of the bad games that people play. If you truly want to be happier... It's your job to get rid of those negative games. So in the spirit of honesty, from that small list of negative games, the bad games that I've played in the past but don't play anymore are courtroom, where I would use my IQ and my logic to bludgeon people in arguments, um, something I did with my mom growing up when we would get in an argument or I would do it with a girlfriend, knowing that I had more horsepower and would... You frame it under the banner of being logical, but really it was emotional response filtered through my IQ and logic to um, emotionally hurt that person. The next negative game I used to play was Now I've Got You, where I would get revenge on people who wronged me. Now I just get revenge through being successful and, and being happy. They say that success is the best revenge, and that is exceptionally true. When you build your ideal lifestyle, build the business you want, get your life going where, where you want, want it to, you forget about everything that happened to you. And I mean, it doesn't mean you have to forgive people. It just means you don't care anymore. So it's just so easy to tune out you know, those negative thoughts and just focus on being more successful, which is a, it's, its own revenge. The third game I used to play was Uproar. My mom had a temper. I had a temper. We spent a lot of time yelling at each other growing up. And sometimes I carried that onto my adult relationships with girlfriends. But this is something I put a lot of work into and, and can proudly say that I've raised my voice three times in the last five years, which has been, been a major improvement. And 
in the next five years, ideally, I'm, I will raise my voice zero times. So that's an area where I'm continually working on improving and, and have been um, improving on. The bad games I still play are blemish, which is finding faults in others. Um, part of this is because I have high standards for myself. So I, I have a gut level reaction to people who don't take pride in operating at a high level, especially in traffic. When I see someone do something so stupid and so reckless to save five seconds off their driving time, my instinctual reaction or thought is, you know, what an idiot or some type of, of, of blame. With that said, I try and quickly reframe that with self-censorship and humility or compassion or whatever the best reframe is. Because when I'm angry, I suffer. And, you know, I've done dumb things in my life. So although I might think something, I'm pretty good. I'm getting pretty good at the reframes. And I'm pretty good at keeping my negative thoughts about others to myself. And before I speak, being able to... Filter those negative thoughts into positive thoughts or or constructive outcomes. But I do still play that blemish game in my head, at least on an instinctual reaction level. The second game I still play is Clever Me, also known as bragging. I admit I still brag with my friends, but I do it in moderation and my friends are kind enough to indulge me. Ultimately, I don't see it as a big problem. And I, I do the same for my friends. I indulge them in their wins. And in fact, I encourage it. I want to be around guys who are proud of their accomplishments and confident about the future. I think, you know, being able to tell people about your accomplishments and be proud of them is a good thing. But I think that you have to make sure you're doing it in moderation to the point where it's not obje- uh, obnoxious, especially if perhaps you're more successful than, than people around you. But... For the most part, I've done a pretty good job of uprooting and getting rid of my negative games. As I said, I've raised my my voice, you know, less than a handful of times in the last five years. And I haven't had a real argument with a friend since I can remember. And I rarely, if ever, send the angry text or the angry email, which I used to do. Or I rarely, actually, I haven't ended a relationship dramatically in the last five years. With that said... If I'm dating someone and I break up with them non-dramatically or, or you know, where I'm maximizing the, the, the positive solution, sometimes that, that, that relationship ends dramatically or that, that woman will try and pull me into a dramatic game, but I refuse to play that game and will we'll stop contacting that, contacting that person. So that's one thing to remember that. Just because you you don't choose to play bad games, some people will still try and pull you into their bad games. And it's just as important not to play them yourself as it is to avoid them or to remove people entirely who, who consistently want to play bad games. So we're all human. It's not about beating yourself up. Instead, it's about getting rid of your bad games so you can be happier and so you can make your people happier. It's really worth your time to sit down and see what bad games you're playing and how to change them. So here's how to do that. Here's exactly how to play better games. First, I would recommend sitting down and, and, and running through all the negative games that you're playing. You can call them anything you want. But think about all the scenarios in your relationships that have made you unhappy in the past and see what you're doing. See where your negative patterns are. Not to beat yourself up, but so that you can be happier in the future. All right, so 
Once you've done that, the first step in learning to play better games is to get rid of people who play bad games. All right. For a good relationship to work, everyone needs to be on the same page. Playing good games, but for for a relationship to go bad, it only takes one person playing bad games. Okay, you can put all the effort into playing the best games you can, but if you are in relationships with people who want to play bad games, it doesn't matter because nothing's going to work because it's impossible to co-create good games with someone who wants to play bad games. It is a fact that one bad apple spoils the whole bunch, which is why it's much easier just to remove toxic people from your life instead of trying to change their behavior. With that said, no one's perfect. Most people play some bad games, but... When you're dealing with a person who is generally good, a quick conversation can usually steer the relationship back on track. Basically, you know, a compliment, you know, I love dating you, but I, I don't like X behavior. If you could not do that in the future, that would be terrific and we can t- continue to be happy. Something along those lines is usually enough to steer that direction, steer that behavior back back into a positive direction. Same for employees or, or friends or, or anything of that nature. But for people who consistently play play bad games and who don't respond to those types of positive conversations, you have to remove them from your life. The second step is looking within and taking responsibility for changing the bad games that you play. In my industry, a lot of content creators try to teach guys how to be more quote-unquote alpha, which is useful to a degree, but a better frame instead of trying to be more alpha is try to be a better leader and a better player in the game of life. Start with happiness and look more towards creating experiences that make you happy than trying to live up to some anonymous blogger's idea of what a man should be. We don't live in the jungle anymore, and true alpha behavior can easily end you up in jail or shot. Not to mention the fact that alpha isn't always available. If you landed a plum job as a hedge fund trader and you're on pace to make seven figures by the time that you're 30... The last thing you want to do is try and go in and be alpha in that shark tank where guys have been there for 15, 20, 30 years. The owner of the company might be a billionaire and you're 22 trying to go in, trying to act alpha. You're going to get fired within hours. Okay. Much smarter to play your position, right? Recognize your position wherever it is. Play your position to the fullest. It's become incredibly obvious to me that after... Close to the decade that I spent in corporate sales, you catch way more flies with honey and that controlling your emotions and doing things like not sending that angry email is incredibly important. Blame, shame, passive aggression or aggressive aggression are rarely the best ways to get what you want. Sure, sometimes you have to call attention to someone breaking the rules of a game you agreed to play or violating your boundaries, but you can almost always deliver criticism gently and in between two compliments, which is so much more effective. And sure, in the rare case of self-defense, aggressive aggression is useful, but if you're playing the game of life to the fullest, the fact that you have to defend yourself in a street fight means you already made a major mistake and got caught slipping. So for the most part, you want to put effort into creating good games, and in times of conflict, you want to take a deep breath, not send that angry email, not send that angry text, not raise your voice, And think about how to create a positive solution. That way you're able to create better games for yourself and you're able to move through life without creating all these negative reverberations and repercussions that eventually come back to you in 
either failed relationships, strained relationships, relationships that cost you money, and so on and so forth. The ironic thing, though, is that by using restraint, creating positive solutions, and finding a way to give the other person what they want actually gets you what you want in the long run. And using blame, shame, and aggression to force a solution, which might get you a short-term win, often ends in you losing in the long term, not getting what you want, and suffering the repercussions of failed relationships, of losing clients and therefore losing money, of losing customers, and all those different areas that, that playing bad games affects. So in summary, recognize that all life is sales. Every single communication you make is selling some type of experience, even down to polite conversation with the checkout girl where you are trying to create a little positive experience within your regular day. You can choose to create positive games and sell a win-win experience for all the people you interact with, or you can choose to create losing games, pay no attention to other to what other people want, try and force results with blame, shame, and aggression, and move through life like a bull in a china shop. The choice is yours, but I recommend creating the best games you can. And when you do, you and everyone around you be- will become happier, and you will get one step closer to living your best life every day of the week. So sit down if you have to, go through your negative games, go through the people who play consistently bad games, remove them from your life, and look and see if you can structure your life to create the maximum amount of good games as possible. I've given you four. You can look around and see if you can find other good games that you want to play, but it's only logical to be happy in this life and a good part of maximizing your happiness, maximizing the positive experiences that you have is being able to create good, fun games for yourself and for the people around you. And if you put in the time, I promise you it will be truly worth the effort.